Monday, the 22nd of March, 2010. The world's sole remaining superpower gets a healthcare system. Channel 10 pushes the heteronormative agenda. And Barry O'Farrell invents an entirely new criminal justice system based on fuck knows what. This is the 9pm Edit. Hello, I'm Still Gary, and welcome to The Edict. Welcome to a new week. Now, my attention has been drawn to a television program called The 7pm Project. And this is how they start. And I must warn you that any gaps in the audio of these little excerpts is entirely because their audio streaming on the internet is shit. Tonight, parents are... Shocked at Lady Gaga's live show, so should concerts carry warnings? Babies dressed as Hitler, really wrong or just funny? Jason Coleman chats for his life and see how South Australia votes tomorrow. Our 7pm psychic calls the results. This is the 7pm Project. Welcome to the Project. We're seeing off another week with the help of Denise Scott... Now, what sort of bullshit is this? Welcome to the project when I say welcome to the edict. They say this is the 7pm project when I say this is the 9pm edict. Who are these assholes? I mean, listen to how I have started the program every episode for the last six episodes. Here's Friday nights. Friday, the 19th of March, 2010. School anti-bullying programs make life difficult for the US Army. Senator Conroy illustrates the Rudd government's non-commitment to transparency. And some weird-ass stoush erupts between Australia and Encyclopedia Dramatica. This is the 9pm Edict. Yes, it's Friday. I'm over this fascist scheduling bullshit there shall now be an episode of this podcast when i'm ready for it and you can use the bloody technology called rss or even gasp yes apple stuff itunes to subscribe and then you can get it when it's done it's not like this is a bloody air raid warning or anything is it it's not like you need a second by second notification that i've recorded a podcast is it hello i'm still gary and welcome to the edict Yes, hear me there? I said, hello, Stilgarian, welcome to the edict. These pricks have copied my entire program format. And what's worse, they're people who show a token acceptance of diversity on the surface, but beyond that, they're cunts. Listen to this. Here's the segment about some program, apparently on TV, called I Think You Can Dance. It starts off with comedian Denise Scott, who's actually rather awesome, love you girl, questioning So You Think You Can Dance judge Jason Coleman. Never heard of him. <laughs> not and, and you've, you've sort of been onto the boys to butch it up a bit, which is, you know, rich. Um, but it, 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 it's. Isn't it? Isn't it? What's your point, bro? Uh, yeah, I better get to the point. Well, is this, is this because you want to see a more macho style dancer? Look, I believe that when the guys are out there dancing, they should dance like. Like men, you know, um, when I'm watching a guy dance, I want to watch him dance like a man, you know, and it, how, whatever their, 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 their thoughts are, how they dress, anything backstage, if they want to yeah. wear stilettos and run around being the most sibilant guy on the face of the planet, I couldn't care less. But when they're out there dancing with the girl, they want to look like the man in that relationship, you got a problem with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, she 
all the best with the series. And if you want to see some butch guys dancing so you think you can dance, is on every Wednesday and Thursday on Channel 10. Yes, thank you, fucking Channel 10. Men are okay if they act like your concept of men and as long as they behave in the way that you find acceptable as men when they're relating to a woman. You heteronormative cunts. Now, do you listen to this podcast via iTunes? If you do, I'd like you to unsubscribe and resubscribe using the new subscribe in iTunes link on my website. Why? Because the 9pm edict is now listed in the iTunes Store podcast directory and I've updated the link. If you subscribe using the new link, it'll be recorded by Apple and I may gradually work my way up their charts. Bringing my worldview to a wider audience can only be of benefit to society and indeed civilization generally. Plus it gives Apple yet another way to track your activities. So you'll do that? Yes? Excellent. Thank you. Now, this is only episode seven of the edict, and yet I've expressed several complaints about the New South Wales Labour Party. Well, who wouldn't? But in fairness, I should point out that we do have an opposition party in this state. Well, kind of. Talk to pretty much any politically aware person, and while they'll agree that Labour seems incapable of addressing the state's fundamental infrastructure issues, they do remain in power simply because the Liberals seem incapable of fielding a credible opposition. Which brings me to Barry O'Farrell, member for Kooringai, leader of the New South Wales Liberals, and in media terms, mostly, the Invisible Man. Yesterday, Barry O'Farrell announced his plan for dealing with that most heinous of crimes, graffiti. Under the O'Farrell Doctrine, young folk charged with graffiti vandalism would be required to front up to a magistrate's court and penalties could include having to clean up their graph and this is the bit that intrigues me it could affect their ability to get a driver's license they would spend longer on their learners or probationary driver's plates or perhaps be banned from driving altogether as O'Farrell told AAP in order to reinforce the gravity of the misdemeanour, we're saying they should front up to receive a court penalty. Juvenile graffiti offenders fronting magistrates' courts will understand the seriousness of vandalism, he said. Well, no, they wouldn't, Mr O'Farrell. A bit of joined-up thinking is required here. Apart from the logical disconnect of the gravity of a misdemeanour, Barry, if it's a misdemeanour, it's not grave. If these young folk already have so little respect for social structures like real property that they'll express their existence by tagging a big blank wall, then they're hardly likely to be worried about some bloke in a suit in a courtroom. The rituals of a magistrate's court are so far removed from their world that you might as well force them to attend a performance of Cats. It'd have that much meaning for them. Actually, Starlight Express... I oh, know even better, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat starring Jason Donovan. I wore my coat with golden bright colors wonderful and On second thought, scratch that too. They'd all end up dropping pills afterwards and there's no telling where that'd end up. 
I'm sorry, Mr. O'Farrell, but your plan is stupid. You seem to have missed the point. For the kind of person into random tagging, the world is about instant gratification. Some delayed threat like a courtroom appearance or six extra months on your pee plates simply won't be in their head when, in another burst of anger with the world, they scrawl their name across the side of a railway bridge 48 times. That rush of adrenaline is the only positive thing in their world. Did you think to run the O'Farrell Doctrine past a criminal psychologist to see whether it could ever act as a deterrent? I suspect not. Did you speak to any magistrates or with the police about whether they want to be spending their time dealing with a few squirts of paint by some teen wannabe, all of which will take maybe a couple hundred bucks to repaint, but which to prosecute through the criminal courts would cost thousands of taxpayers' dollars? Again, I suspect not. Now, I think I know where all this comes from, polling your own party members. Well, I've seen these surveys before. You ask the middle-aged or retired upper-middle-class property-owning Liberal Party members what really worries them in their local community, and it's always petty law and order issues. People not parking properly, rubbish in the streets, graffiti, young people being unruly, people with unkempt hair swearing on buses, all the little irritations that detract from their perfectly neat lawn edges and listening to Haydn on the Bang and Olufsen. And you know why? Because they've never fucking well had it so good. And all these petty little whinges are all that's really going wrong with their world. Well, not quite. Their real worry is that your lot, federally and globally, fucked up their retirement plans by making their superannuation worthless. But they can't do anything about that, and they don't want to blame people like them. So instead, they want to blame it on the weakest members of society. Yeah, bullying is always a good look, isn't it, Barry? Now, there's three observations I want to make about the O'Farrell Doctrine. One, it's not going to work. Dear Liberals, if you want to win the next election in New South Wales, it's not your paid-up members you need to be convincing. They've parted with their money and they'll vote for you anyway. Every single election until they die, which together by the demographics of your membership base is sometime the fortnight after next. No, you need to convince the people who might actually change their votes, the people who are currently completely shitted off with New South Wales Labor, and let's face it, they're a useless bunch of cunts, but who haven't voted for you yet because, well, you're just not credible. So what you need to do is something credible, something that demonstrates you've got the skills to sort out the complete fucking disaster that is New South Wales and, well, fix it. A law and order policy, something which fits the strong paternal authoritarian style of government that John Howard ran federally, might have some residents if it addressed the real crime of this place, the deep-seated political corruption, rather than some half-assed bullying of teenagers with a spray can. Two, a sense of perspective, please. Graffiti costs, it says in the news story, $100 million a year. With 7 million citizens in this state, that's, wow, $14 a year, 27 cents a week. Stop wasting my time with this shit. But three, three, the O'Farrell Doctrine is just glorious. As you told AAP, Mr. O'Farrell, as the parent of a teenager approaching license age, I know how much young people value the opportunity to get behind the wheel. 
So yes, forget the punishment fits the crime, forget an eye for an eye, the O'Farrell Doctrine is all about punishing minor crimes committed by kids at the fringe of society by restricting them in ways which might upset the privileged kids of a Member of Parliament. Well, I suppose if they can afford a car, yes. But I am finally getting it. I reckon the O'Farrell Doctrine needs to be extended. It needs to be made universal. Consider this. Crime, offensive language in a public place, punishment, may not attend the opera for six months. Crime, urinating, punishment, hand in your Armani suit. Crime, minor dealing in marijuana, punishment, you can't go to Ivy Nightclub for six weeks. Although, maybe that's an appropriate punishment. I don't know. But thank you, Barry O'Farrell. Thank you. I love you. People make comments on this program. Here's one of them. G'day, Phil Gary and Silvano here. I'm sure there's no surprise to you or anyone else who listens to the 9pm edict that I'm a great fan, loving it. Wonderful. Topic of free range kids. Great topic. As you can hear, I've got a half form recklessly playing a recorder now, taking great risks on the audio styles. That did lead me to think about how the safety factor that comes in, and children are often let to a mall. They can go and purchase things. So their avoidance of risk by the parents means that the only valuable skills they get to learn is how to purchase something. Anyway, loving it, and also loving the uh, start of the 50 to 50 uh, program, that, or, or I should say, with uh, blog posts. Excellent. Copy later. <laughs> Thank you very much, Silmobile, and your strange recorder playing a midget in the background there. If you'd like to leave a comment, just like that man did, either Skype to Stilgerian, details on the website, or phone Sydney, plus 612-8011-3733. You don't need to be sane, you don't need to be sober. You're listening to the Dine PM Edict. <laughs> Well, the United States Congress has voted to accept President Barack Obama's health care plan. This is the most dramatic policy change in the U.S. in 40 years, yet it was won by a narrow margin, 219 to 212 votes in Congress. All of the Republicans voted against it, and 34 Democrats joined them. What astounds me, and what I think astounds many people in the world outside the United States, is that this was so controversial. In Australia, we have one of the most excellent healthcare systems in the world. And despite all the whinging by people who presented emergency wards with non-emergency issues and they're told to wait, we do actually have that guarantee. Whoever you are, whatever your condition, the system will try to take care of you and it will be paid for. It's not perfect, but it's damn good. And anyone in a Scandinavian country would find all of this perfectly normal. And yet in the United States, setting up a system which somehow supports the citizens is seen as, and this is their swear word, socialist. Communist. America, you really do need to start seeing how the rest of the world works. And I think that calls for an edict.
This is edict number seven. America, go fuck yourself. And that's all for the edict tonight. It's getting late, isn't it? The next episode will be on Wednesday, the 24th of March, sometime around 9pm, because this is the 9pm Edict.